Welcome to our GSP Ace of the Day segment presented by DraftKings. As always, tennis fans, if you are ready to put your knowledge to the test, turn to our friends at the DraftKings Sportsbook. They've got everything you're looking for from the money lines, parlays, futures, odds, and prop bets available for the 2022 U.S. Open to the countless other opportunities possible, not only in the sporting world at large, but within the tennis world. As you tennis fans know, it's not just the U.S. Open going on this week. You've got countless challenger events, countless ITF events happening around the globe. If you are ready to put your knowledge to the test, turn to our friends at DraftKings. Go check out the DraftKings Sportsbook today. When you are ready to place your first wager, use our promo code AOD. All you have to do is place a $1 bet with that promo code. You'll get $100 in free bets to play with however you'd like across the sporting world. Again, we here at Cracked Racket, so happy to have our friends at DraftKings back with us. The way you all can show your support is by turning to the DraftKings Sportsbook for all of your action. Use that promo code AOD, bet $1, get $100 in free bets, and let them know that we sent you there. Of course, as we approach day nine of this 2022 U.S. Open, perhaps some of you tennis fans are more comfortable getting in on the action happening elsewhere, you know, other than New York as Tuesday's matches are going to be tight. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. And certainly we have reached that stage of the tournament quarterfinal round beginning. One would expect these matches to be tight as you've got top seeds, top contenders all competing against one another. Of course, if you look on the women's side, Caroline Garcia, your Cincinnati champion, she's won what, 13 consecutive matches now on her way to this U.S. Open quarterfinal. She's probably the hottest player on the WTA Tour right now the power tennis she plays with, the aggression she plays with, it transcends whatever opponents are trying to do. Caroline Garcia is going to do her thing, so certainly betting against her is a tough proposition. On the other hand, she's taken on Coco Goff, who has been tremendous, not only in New York, but of course all season long. Goff reached world number one status in doubles earlier this season to go along with the fact that she has now reached round four at all four majors in singles already before turning 19 in her career. She reached her first Grand Slam final at the French Open to watch her athleticism and just her ability to counterpunch on top of her ability to manufacture behind that first serve was dominant against Madison Keys, looked spectacular against Jung Shui as well. You know, that Garcia-Goff match is one of the four matches we have to pick from. Talk about tough sledding if you're trying to make selections like we do here on this Ace of the Day segment for Day 9. That said, as always, we begin this show in a glass-half-full sort of mindset, looking at tomorrow's four quarterfinal singles matches at the 2022 U.S. Open. I do think I have found some winning combinations, some value on that DraftKings Sportsbook board of selections. As such, I've got three aces of the day for you on day nine and three, a multiple of nine. That feels like at least we've got the math going in our direction to start today's show. Of course, as always, I want to run you through the reasoning behind my ace 
of the day selections then of course as we've got four singles matches on the day I want to offer my thoughts on each of those matches how I think they may shake out with that said courtesy of our friends at DraftKings let's get into day nine's aces of the day let's start with the single match I feel most confident in predicting that is the women's singles quarterfinal between fifth-seeded Own Jabur and Isla Tomjanovic, of course. Both have had standout seasons for different reasons. Hey, great shot. You look for Jabur. Of course, she reached her first Grand Slam final at Wimbledon earlier this year. Even without those points on her record, Jabur second right now in the WTA points race. She's currently sitting at third in the live rankings up two spots since the start of this U.S. Open. You look for Jaburbin. Pretty good sledding for her thus far in New York. Straight set wins by identical five and two score lines over Brangle and Mandlick to start the event. A come from behind three set victory where she did an excellent job just taking the legs out from underneath Shelby Rogers, absorbing enough of her first strikes to cause Shelby to wear down. And then, you know, what was it? A 5-2 deficit in set number one in the round of 16 against big serving Veronica Kudermetova, who had not been broken in New York until that fourth round match. Jabur, a 7-6-6-4 victory, her best match to date, in my opinion, indicative of the fact she seems to be peaking at exactly the right time. And of course, this whole season, Jabur has been at the top of her game. She's 42 and 13 overall this year. Top five in total wins on the WTA Tour. Top five in terms of win percentage as she's won 76% of her matches. Of course, you look for her this season. She's reached five different finals, two titles, Madrid and Berlin. Of course, the finals in Wimbledon, Rome, and in Charleston. Yes, all of those big results came on non-hard courts, but you look for Jabur on the hard courts this season, 14 and 8 overall. This is actually probably her best run of the year. Now, of course, wasn't able to play the Australian Open due to injury and, you know, had to bow out of Toronto due to injury as well. Her three-set loss to Petra Kvitova in Cincinnati certainly aged well, given Kvitova went on to reach the final, and Kvitova still alive at this 2022 U.S. Opener, I should say, was alive going into day eight before being knocked out by Jessica Pagula in the fourth round. The point being, Jabur has been excellent all season long, and in that 42-13 and 13 run of results, you look for own Jabur, uh, you know, again, in particular, she's beating who she's supposed to beat. You look for her against players ranked outside the top 20 this season. Jabur, 35-7 and seven overall. Now, some of those losses, Kvitova, who's certainly at her best, as she was in Cincinnati, is a top 20 player. Rabakina, your Wimbledon champion, no shame in that loss. Uh, we'll throw the Jung Chin Wen loss out. At, we'll throw up the Simona Halep loss in Dubai as well, as they've both been top 20-esque players and Obviously, she had to retire in that Chin Wen match. Jabur's been beating who she's supposed to beat. And she's been doing it not only in this 2022 season, but really since tour play resumed back in August 2020. And you look for own Jabur. She's now 102 and 38 since tour play resumed in August 2020. You want to hear something even more impressive than that? At the Grand Slams during this stretch of time. And again, there have been 11 total slams. Own Jabur 26 and 8. 
overall in what? There have now been 11 total slams, or two plus four plus four, excuse me, 10 total slams during that stretch of time. Yeah, she doesn't play the Australian Open, so she's played in nine of the 10 slams. She's reached at least the round of 16 in five of them and is now into her third quarter final at the slams during this stretch of time. First one to come outside of Wimbledon, but again, Jabur has been a prime time player. Even, you know, beyond that, she's 69 and 29 at premier level events. We're talking Madrid, Montreal, Cincinnati, Indian Wells, etc. She has just been as consistent. You know, I would put her yeah, obviously, Iga's tier number one. Honestly, Ashley Barty, even in retirement, her body of work in just 2021 in the first month of 2022 alone probably holds up. But Iga, Jabur, Pagula, like that's been your group of the most consistent players. You know, round of 16 of a slam or quarterfinals of the, the 1,000 level events as they're referred to now. They're just going to be in the mix. And again, a massive credit to Own Jabur, who during this stretch of time, again, since August 2020, I mentioned her record overall at the slam. She's 26 and 8. Against opponents ranked outside the top 20, she's 22 and 4. And her three of her four losses, Rabakina was ranked outside the top 20 in that Wimbledon final. Coco Goff, who beat her in the fourth round of Roland Garros last year, was ranked outside the top 20. Obviously, she's not anymore. The other lost three sets to Danielle Collins, who reached the Australian Open final earlier this season. The point being, Onjabur is a sure thing. And I think when you look at the day nine matchups, you just feel more confident that Onjabur A, has an advantageous matchup in Idla Tamjanovic, and B, that she's going to get the job done. And you just feel about as confident in what her level is going to look like match in, match out, as anyone on the board tomorrow. And again, you look for her opponent, Isla Tamjanovic, who has certainly been one of these stories of this 2022 U.S. Open. Tamjanovic wins over Serena and then ending the 13-match win streak of Ludmilla Samsonova yesterday. She came back from, I believe, 5-2 down in that opening set, was down, I believe, 5-2 in the third set in round number two against Rodina as well. Look, there's no denying Tamjanovic is playing the best tennis of her career. Tamjanovic now three quarterfinals in her last six majors. Wimbledon last year, Wimbledon this year, now the U.S. Open as well. She's up to a new career high, number 34 in the rankings, which again, at 29 years old, you're supposed to be in the prime of your career. What should the prime of your career look like? It should mean you're setting your schedule and choosing the events you want to play. Well, with her success over the past you know, year plus, Isla Tamjanovic has put herself in a position to do exactly that. Tamjanovic, 32 and 20 overall this season. She's breaking serve, you know, uh, 2% above her career average and is a top 25 returner amongst top 50 players. Now she's 24th amongst the top 25, but is a top 25 returner, you know, showing off an elite skill and obviously her physicality, her consistency, her ability to absorb a first strike and absorb and redirect pace was on display against Serena, was on display against Samson. She's really good, you know, at making matches physical and taking away the thing you want to do best and forcing you into plans B, C, and D. The problem is, I just don't think she has a weapon to throw on Jabur off with throughout the course of their match. I think this match is going to be played on Jabur's terms. I think, yes, Tamjanovic will be able to absorb the first strike. Yes, she'll be able to track down some of the drop shots, some of the short angles. But A, I think Tamjanovic moves better laterally 
than she does vertically. Meaning, I think if you're going side to side with her from the baseline, exchanging backhands, forehands, she's going to look plenty comfortable doing that. I think if you force her forward, force her into uncomfortable mid-court positions, that's where Tomjanovic, I don't want to say her footwork gets sloppy, but she's just a little bit more hesitant moving forward as opposed to the freedom she moves with going side to side. I think this is a really good matchup for Own Jabur, who again, you have to have a big first weapon to prevent Jabur from playing the slices, playing the drop shots. You have to be able to generate pace and depth consistently enough that it's Jabur who's forced to play a little bit of defense, I just don't think Jabur's going to have to play defense as much in this match. I think she's going to get to be extraordinarily offensive. And again, you look for Jabur this season, one of the seven women's players to rank top 20 in both hold and break percentage. She's holding serve 72.3% of the time. She's breaking serve 40.2% of the time. Both of those numbers, obviously better than Isla Tamjanovic, and they should be. Jabur's Five in the world, Tomjanovic was outside the top 40 going into this U.S. Open. But there's a reason Onjabur is second in the points race. There's a reason she's 35-7 and seven against p- opponents ranked outside the top 20 this year and 22-4 and four at the slams against non-top 20 opponents over the past 11 slams. Sh- she beats who she's supposed to beat. And I do think, again, with all due respect to Isla Tomjanovic, who is now, you know, had a lot of success at the majors over her last six and, you know, has had some success against top 20 players beating Bedosa, beating Conteve over the course of the past few months. I mean, she did it in Cincinnati and Toronto respectively, but Owns is pretty clearly playing better than either Conteve or Sakari at this moment. And again, Tomjanovic tests you. She forces you to put that extra ball away, forces you to not lose confidence in yourself because the moment you get hesitant, that's when she pounces. She's just going to ask question after question of you as her opponent. I just think Owns is ready to answer those questions. I like this matchup for Owns Jabur. I don't think there's anything Tamjanovic does to overwhelm her. I think Jabur is going to be able to get into her bag of tricks. I think Jabur wins this match, and I think she wins it in straight sets as well. Now, for what it's worth, these two have played twice before. We'll throw out their matchup in 2012, which Jabur won in three sets. They played on at Rome earlier this season. Jabur, a 7-5-6-2 victory. Again, could Tom Janovich win a set? Absolutely. She's playing well enough. She's consistent enough. She has enough confidence right now to make life interesting. And you actually look for own Jabur. I don't like this at all. When I put together my list of odds for Jabur, she was minus 225. She's down to minus 195. So the Sharks are jumping on Isla Tomjanovic. That's concerning. But we're going to stick with Jabur here, and we're going to take her to cover not only a minus two and a half game spread, which is just a straight set victory, really, or her, you know, dropping a tight set, but ultimately prevailing in third. If she does either of those two things, she should cover the two and a half games, which minus 150 will put the full 1.5 units on it to win one in return. Owns, to quote the Beatles... Don't let me down. I'm also going to go minus one and a half sets. Again, I just think from a matchup perspective, Owns is going to have all the time in the world. And when you give her that sort of time, you're just in trouble as her opponent, particularly on this quicker surface, particularly with Jabur's, you know, after facing two power tennis, uh, two power serving opponents in Rogers and Kudermatova. Do you know what a relief? The look at the Isla Tomjanovic serve is going to be. It's going to feel like it's slow pitch softball by comparison. And so I'm going to take Jabur. 
to win comfortably. I don't like the line movement at all. That scares the crap out of me. So if you want to throw the over 22 and a half games at minus 140 or the over two and a half sets at plus 140, makes sense to me. But Jabura, 72.3% favorite according to Tennis Abstract. Let's roll with her to knock out Isla Tamjanovic and do it in straight sets comfortably. Straight sets comfortably. We cover our first two aces of the day. Again, ace number one, the minus two and a half games, minus 150. Ace number two, the minus one and a half sets at minus 110. That said, that's ace of the days one and two. Let's move over to ace of the day number three. It's going to be a men's match. And look, I don't feel great about either of tomorrow's men's matches. Certainly you look for Nick Kyrgios after all the momentum he built over Daniil Medvedev yesterday. It's worth noting Nick Kyrgios has come down. Wow. Massive movement on the Nick Kyrgios line. He was minus 400 earlier today. He's down to minus 270. Hatchinov now plus 200. And look, that's because they've played two extraordinarily close matchups. Hatchinov was plus 380 earlier. I actually think Kyrgios was minus 550 because I saw Hatchinov at plus 380. And I wrote that down just writing that is way too much juice on Karen Hatchinov. They played a five-set match in Australia back in 2020. They played a really tight three-set match in Cincinnati in 2019. Hatchinov's got the physicality to hang. The plus, uh, the serve, the plus one forehand, the ability to do his thing at his own pace, regardless of what Nick is doing. That said, I mean, this version of Nick Kyrgios, who's played 44 matches in a single season and is as fit as he has ever been, serving as well as he has ever served, as confident as he has ever been, the passing shots look extraordinary. You're not betting. Karen Hatchinov as an underdog, especially now that he's moved from plus 380 to plus 200. Just not enough juice left on that. That said, you know, again, Hatchinov plus two and a half sets minus 160. Am I 100% confident that Nick is going to win in straights? I'm not. You know, Hatchinov plus five and a half games. Could he keep things close, force a couple of tie break sets? Absolutely. That said, I just I never feel good. You know, I've said this the past two rounds for Hatchinov when he was an underdog against Draper. I said I liked him. Underdog against Cranio Busta. Go check the tape. I said I liked him. Underdog against Kyrgios. I always love Hatchinov in that underdog position because he can play a little bit more freely because there will be 10 minutes where he reminds you, wait, this guy's six foot six, has serves and forehands that are weapons against anyone, and he's fluid moving to the backhand, and he's a willing volleyer. Why isn't this guy top 10 in the world? It's a question we have pondered frequently of late here at Cracked Rackets. Hatchinov has those sorts of skills, despite it just being the third quarterfinal for him at a slams of his career. But again, it's his third quarterfinal. I think he's made nine uh, round of 16s. I'm kind of, you know, again, keep an eye on Karen Hatchinov tomorrow. That would be the underdog I probably, I mean, the significant underdog I like most I just like I know Nick's playing lights out right now. The serve, the forehand, the ability to take the legs out from underneath Daniel Medvedev. He did a lot of things extraordinarily well, but keep your eye on that Karen Hatchinov match. Again, they've played two extraordinarily close matches. One one career head to head. Yes, Kyrgios is a seventy one point two percent favorite according to Tennis Abstract, based on the fact that he has had a significantly better year than Karen Hatchinov. But that men's match is intriguing to me. Certainly the over thirty six. Six and a half games at minus 120. Very interesting as well. 
That said, the match that will be the foundation of our third ace of the day is going to be the matchup between Matteo Berrettini and Kasparud. Now, according to the money line, Kasparud a minus 120 favorite, Berrettini plus 100 though, so it's essentially a pick 'em. You look at the tennis abstract singles forecast, it's actually Kasparud 58.5% favorite over Matteo Berrettini. Here's why I'm back in Berrettini, and let's just go through the stats quickly before I go through why, from a matchup perspective, I like him in this uh, particular battle. It starts with Matteo Berrettini's consistency at the slams, and really since August 2020. He's 74-26 overall since August 2020. That's a 74% win percentage. He's holding serve 89.7% of the time during that stretch. He's also 30-6. and six at the slams during that stretch of time, holding 90.4% of the time overall. And again, 30-6, and six, his last four losses, Nadal, Djokovic, Djokovic, Djokovic. You've had to be the best player in the world. You've had to be the guy winning the slam title to beat Matteo Berrettini at the majors of late. And I know Berrettini has not played well. At, in New York thus far. He played one good match against Andy Murray, which he really should have won in straights. Again, that third set, he had 30, uh, love 30 leads in Andy's first five service games. He did not play well against Alejandro Davidovich Fokina, and yet he escapes with a five-set victory. The overwhelming nature of his serve, his plus-one forehand, it just keeps him competitive in in matches. That serve, that forehand, again, holding over 89% of the time. He's fifth on the ATP Tour and hold percentage this season. You just feel more confident in that single commodity, the serve, the plus-one forehand that he brings to the court, than maybe any other individual combination outside of Rafa and Djokovic that are brought to the court by any player in any given match. And I know two out of three sets is a different ball game than three out of five, but in the three out of five set, the efficiency of that play just seems to consistently win out for Matteo Berrettini. And that he's managed to reach the quarterfinals of another major without playing his best tennis, I think that's significant because I still think there's upside for him to tap into. Still, you know, again, no reason for him to be stagnant on the practice court. He's got to get better hitting the backhand return of serve. He's got to get more willing to step up on the return of serve, go big with his forehand like he usually does when he's at his best, you know, you look again for Matteo Berrettini, it's a tough matchup against the fifth seed Casper Root tomorrow. Root's been excellent, 42 and 15 overall here in 2022. And you look for Bear, uh, for him at the slams, obviously final of Roland Garros and, you know, for him finals of Miami earlier this season, semifinals of Canada. He's been really good at hard court events just about everywhere, not only this season, but again, since August 2020. That said, since August 2020, here's my weird Casper Rude stat for all of you fans and why I like this matchup for Matteo Berrettini. Casper Rude since August 2020, seven and seven against players over six foot four on hard courts. You look at this matchup for Casper Rude against a big server, a guy who can still expose. 
I don't want to say a weakness, but the one vulnerability in Kasparud's game, which is still that backhand return. We saw Rafa break it down routinely in the Roland Garros final. We saw Ryan Penniston sort of do a JV version of that on the grass courts as well. Now, you know, again, Penniston, Nadal, lefties, so it's a little bit different, but the way Matteo Berrettini hits the flat out wide or the kick serve tee, like that serve is just as much of a weapon. And you look for Kasparud again, he's kept those matches close, but who are the guys who have beaten him on this surface? Well, Berrettini at the U.S. Open back in 2020. Zverev's gotten him three times on hard courts. Bublik's gotten him. Medvedev's gotten him. Hubi Hercots has gotten him. You know, again, 7-7 seven and seven overall. And you look for Kasparud, his best win, three sets over Zverev in Miami this season. That's really the only definitive victory he has on a hard court over someone tall. Again, the big thing is I point for Kasparud, his break percentage drops from 22.6% overall this season, 25.1% overall since 2020, to 16% against these elite servers. And guess what? That's going to happen for any player against any elite server. I don't care if you're Novak Djokovic, Rafael Nadal, Carlos Alcaraz, Diego Schwartzman. Against an elite server, your break percentage is inherently going to drop. But the reason it drops so significantly is because, again, that backhand return can be a vulnerability. And I just like the pace with which Berrettini plays against Rude on this surface. The heaviness, the drive of his forehand, getting that ball deep on Casper Rude, not allowing him to step up and, you know, hit his inside-in, inside-out forehand combinations freely. You know, yes, Kasparud backhand cross. He'll be able to find that backhand wing of Matteo Berrettini, but, you know, Rude wants to be hitting forehands out of that ad side corner as well, and so it's really going to be a race to see who can hit the first forehand, and, you know, if it's about the first forehand, if that's what a match comes down to, as I alluded to earlier, give me Matteo Berrettini in that matchup over just about everyone else. I like Berrettini to win here. Now, again, career head-to-head, it's 3-2 Casper Rude, but all three of Casper's wins have come uh, on clay courts. Two of Casper's three victories coming in three sets on those clay courts. Berrettini 1-0 in their one hard court victory, 4-4-2, albeit back at the 2020 U.S. Open before Casper Rude became the top 10 player that he is today. Again, Moneyline, Casper Rude, minus 120 favorite. I like Matteo Berrettini to pull off the upset here. And because he's plus 100, you don't have to turn to the game spread, which you could if you wanted. Berrettini plus two and a half games, minus 150. Uh, You can turn to the over, 39 and a half games, if you think this match goes the distance. I also consider just straight up betting on Berrettini Rude to go four sets overall, which is plus 160, not the worst wager of the bunch. I'm going to lean Berrettini. I think Mateo takes this match. I know, again, the percentages, the odds suggest otherwise. I test-wise, I don't think Casper played particularly well in his four-set victory in round number four, even if I did think he played a very good physical match against Tommy Paul in round number three. I'm leaning Berrettini. I don't feel great about it. Again, neither player has played their best tennis in New York. And given that uncertainty, I'll take the sure thing that is the Berrettini serve plus one forehand. So give me Matteo Berrettini to advance. Again, I'm taking Kyrgios over Hatchinov. I know I already talked about that one. I just... The way Kyrgios is returning serve right now and showing off his defensive skills with this degree of fitness, he can just do more things. Plan A, B, C, and D are just 
better for him. All four plans are better than him, for him than they are for Hatchinov. I will stick with Kyrgios to advance to the semifinals. And boy, Berrettini versus Kyrgios, men's semifinal. You like big serves. You like big forehands. That, my friend, is the matchup for you. The final match of the day, uh, Coco Golf versus Caroline Garcia. Man, this is tough. Goff, 63.7% favorite according to Tennis Abstract, but a plus 100 underdog according to draft the DraftKings Sportsbook. I mean, again, Garcia was taking returns of serve inside the baseline and on top of the service line against both Ali Risk and Bianca Andreescu. She's just feeling herself right now. And her ability to drive the ball through the court, particularly at the Coco Golf forehand, is just a problem for golf in this matchup. She will have to show off that same elite athleticism, that same elite defensive skills that she showed against Madison Keys, against Jung Shui. At the same time, she really is going to have to serve well because if she does not serve well, Garcia is going to be on top of that baseline, swinging away, powering through the ball, and just again doing all the things that she does that make her such a difficult opponent uh, to have to to have to deal with and just the pressure that she puts on you. <sighs> this matchup's really tough because if you're asking me I test who has played better, I would say it's Caroline Garcia. I think Caroline Garcia is playing better right now than just about any player uh on the WTA Tour, uh, still alive at least in particular in this 2022 U.S. Open. Her serve, the confidence, how well she's moving, the fact that how she's been pulling away from opponents as the matches go on. That said, how are you going to pick against Coco Goff's competitive spirit? Just her ability to find so many different ways. Again, plan A, the big serve, the big plus one forehand, the serve and volley. They've all gotten better this season. She Her hold percentage continues to improve. But are they elite yet? The way I know Caroline Garcia's weapons are elite? No, probably not. At the same time, again, to have the crowd behind her and just the energy with which Goff plays. More than anything, I'm picking the over. In this match, if I had to choose, I am taking over uh, the 21 and a half games at minus 130. I'm taking the over two and a half sets at plus 120. <sighs> Maybe you take the American at plus 100. You hope she wins the first set. Then you bet Garcia as the underdog. You kick your feet up. You enjoy the match. But man, I'm staying away from that one because they're both playing really well. And it's just going to be a really fun match. So, of course, with that said, that's your look at day number nine of the 2022 U.S. Open. Of course, we will be back on the mini break podcast to recap it all. And if you've missed anything from the action in New York, head on over to that mini break podcast feed. We've got you covered. Of course, a shout out to our super producer, Daniel Westoff, as well for the of an editing job he does day in, day out, making all of this content possible. Shout out to our friends at DraftKings as well. Remember, use that promo code AOD bet $1, get $100 in free bets with that set for our super producer, Daniel Westhoff, our friends at DraftKings, and from all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say. May the odds be ever in your favor. Good luck, everyone. Thank you.